Hi everyone, welcome to the podium, the place where we celebrate the best in the world of motorsport. My name's Jason Skiles and joining me once again, it's Emma, not a Francesco. Emma, how are you going? Hey Jason, good, how are you? Lots of uh, motorsport to talk about yet again. Well yeah, we had a controversial round at the Bend over the weekend and also the MotoGP. MotoGP, well the Bend was great. It was great to see that beautiful track again and MotoGP, yes, sensational racing yet again. Well, yeah, and it's also a huge weekend coming up in the world of motorsports. So we'll be talking about some of the big news that's been taking place. In addition to that, some special guests are also joining us on the podium. We're going to be joined with a three-time Indianapolis 500 winner who currently competes in the IMSA Championship GT Series in America. I speak of Elio Castro-Neves. Elio's, for people that remember here in Australia, he competed in the Supercars Gold Coast International event and he's got some, yeah, great stuff to talk about. And he also weighs in on Scott McLaughlin and the huge news that he's going to be racing in IndyCar later on this season. Uh, in addition to that, we've also got another supercar driver joining us. We have got the guy that put in one of the strongest performances on the weekend. He moved up 14 positions in that final race at the Bend over the weekend. It's Anton De Pasquale, and Anton's going to join us to talk about everything that's happened in his world since this whole lockdown has taken place. We had him on while he was competing in the Supercars E-Series. So he's got a lot to talk about what he's been doing since then and also preview this weekend's action with him and the event at Bathurst in just a few weeks' time. So it's a huge addition to the show. Let's begin, though, with some MotoGP news. Yes, MotoGP news time now, Emma, and... This is a championship that everyone's been watching this season because you don't know what to expect every weekend. And after a difficult few weeks, Maverick Vinales finally bounced back to get his season on track again. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've expected so much from him this season. Um, he's been up there in qualifying. So he's had the qualifying case, but it just hasn't translated come race day. So it's certainly a long overdue victory, shall we say. And um, that makes it, Six different winners for the MotoGP season already. Incredible. Quite remarkable. And another guy that was in contention for that victory for quite a long way, it was Peko Bagnaia. We talked about him in that opening weekend at Mazzano. The second weekend at Mazzano, even stronger. He was in a commanding position until a crash put him out. Oh, he was so close. He really got a feel for poor Peko. Um, at Jerez, he had an engine issue not too long ago, just when he was about to make a podium, and now this. Um, but, you know, that's, that's the highs and the lows of racing, I guess. I've no doubt that he'll bounce back this weekend, along with his teammates. Such a bad weekend for Tomas Ducati. Bad luck for Jack. Um, a visor tear-off strip, actually, from Portoraro was sucked into his Ducati. That was the cause of the incident we heard after the race. So that was the reason he came into pit lane and retired. So... Not an ideal weekend for both of them. Let's hope that it's better this weekend. Well, yeah, a lot of riders that came to blows during that race. Valentino Rossi was another one, Brad Binder, and even Franco mm. Morbidelli, after getting his first win a week ago, had issues in that second one. There you go. You just cannot pick it. I mean, Binder was right up there at one stage. Morbidelli, poor thing, had a stomach bug. So it's such a great effort for him to push through all weekend. Um, and there were some comments also from Valentino that um, he doesn't believe that he's even competitive enough to fight for the championship. I mean, they made some changes on the bike coming into that weekend following the first Mazzano round, which they thought would help them go faster. But he says that they just don't have the pace. They are lacking grip, especially. Um, but obviously a mistake is what cost him. Um, he's up there fighting for podiums, though, which is great. But there is quite a lot against him at the moment, so let's see what he can do at Catalonia. One of the other riders that's been one of the favourites to win the championship this season, Fabio Quattararo, he was given a penalty late on, which meant he couldn't stand on the podium. Yeah, always some sort of last lap chaos, isn't there? For exceeding track limits, he got a three-second penalty. Um, I mean, he could have taken a long lap, lap penalty. It seems to have probably flashed up a little bit too late for him. Not sure if he caught it or if he just decided not to take it, but obviously that meant that he missed out on the podium. Well, yeah, the guy that did take advantage of that, though, was Paulus Bargro once again in that KTM, been on fire this year. Another guy that's been very consistent this season, though, Joan Mir continued his consistent run. Yeah, which meant that he moved up in the championship too. So well under him on the Suzuki, having some great results. Can I just say this championship, just 27 points, other the top 10 with 
four, splitting the top four. So in the top spot, we've still got Dobby Quattararo in second. Maverick has moved up to third. Yuan Mia, who we just mentioned, in fourth position. And Morbidelli still sitting in fifth. Quite remarkable that Dovi is still leading that championship after the, the past few weekends that he's had, isn't it? by one point. He's, one held, point. he's holding on at the moment and... Who knows Holding on, only death. Well, who knows what will happen. This weekend we've got Catalonia. Who's your top three for this weekend? Okay. I'm, you know, you can never pick it, right? So I'm going to say that, um, you know, both those top two guys in the championship, they've had a bit of bad luck. So they're really going to want to fight back and fight back hard for this. I'm going to go with uh, Quateraro for the win with this one. Dobby up there as well. And I think that Maverick is going to be quite confident. So I'm going to put him in the top three too. Right after this, we're going to get a quick hit of some of the other news happening in the world of motorsport. Yes, time to talk about some of the other stuff happening in the world of motorsport and sticking on two wheels. Moto2 uh, was announced just the other day that Remy Gardner, Australian Remy Gardner, has been announced as a new rider at KTM for their Moto2 program next season. Uh, he's been out of action the past few weeks after a high side during that opening weekend at Mazzano, which saw him on pole position. So he'll be returning to action this weekend, and I'm sure he'll be hoping for a MotoGP ride coming after next season in Moto2M. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's so good that that is locked in because if you're sitting on the sidelines with an injury and you don't have that contract track for 2021, you'd say you'd be feeling, you know, pretty worried. But yeah, good on him. He certainly deserves that seat. For sure. World Endurance Championship news now and the Le Mans 24 hour was held over the weekend and Australian Matt Campbell finished second in his class at the Le Mans 24 hour race in his factory Porsche. Uh, the race was won by Toyota trio Kazuki Nakajima, Sebastian Buemi and Brendan Hartley. A lot of people would remember those names from their days competing in Formula One. They dominated the race, won by five laps. Uh, their teammates Jose Maria Lopez, Mike Conway and Kamui Kobayashi, they recovered uh, later on in the race to finish third. Uh, they had a few dramas. They were leading the race in the early stages. However, good to see them bounce back with a third-place finish. Let's turn our attention to America and the NASCAR Cup Series. Kevin Harvick scored his ninth win of the season in the 500-mile night race at Bristol Motor Speedway over the weekend. He extends his championship points lead over Denny Hamlin, while our Australian James Davison had a tough run, uh, finishing 37th. And speaking of Denny Hamlin, he's going to be teaming up with Michael Jordan. Yes, the NBA star, Michael Jordan, to form a NASCAR Cup Series team with Bubba Wallace as their driver for next season. So obviously Michael Jordan's had a lot of success in sport. Let's see if that can translate into motorsport next season. Uh, Let's turn our attention to Australia now and the Super 2 Championship. And supercars have reversed their original decision And the Super 2 Series will now have their second round of the championship up at Bathurst. So great news for anyone attending the Bathurst 1000 event because plenty more support categories on the cards. And finishing up with news from the IndyCar Series. So Sebastian Bourdais, former Formula 1 driver and champ car champion, he's going to return to the IndyCar Series full-time next season after a deal with AJ Foyt Racing has been announced. Uh, it's also been confirmed that Scott McLaughlin will be making his long-awaited IndyCar debut in the final race of the 2020 season at St. Petersburg. So very exciting stuff there for all motorsport fans having Scott McLaughlin making his debut. That's been our hit of motorsport news. And staying on the topic of IndyCars, it's time to introduce our next guest. And our next guest on the podium, he has had plenty of success in IndyCar. He's a three-time Indy 500 winner. He's even competed here in a supercar at the Gold Coast International event. I speak, of course, of Elio Castro-Neves. He's a Team Penske driver, and he's up next on the podium. This is the podium where we celebrate the best in the world of motorsport, and we're joined right now with a guy that's won the Indianapolis 500 three times. He's been competing with Team Penske for over 20 years now. He, he currently competes in the IMSA Championship. It's Elio Castro-Neves. Elio, thanks so much for joining us on the podium. Well, thanks for having me, Jason. Great to be with you. Now, Elio, before we talk about the IMSA Championship, because you've been flying in that, let's talk about the Indy 500 a few weeks ago. Boy, a very different looking Indy 500 this year. 
yes, certainly we had a, a little bit of a uh, not uh, usual uh, Indy 500 with the fans. Uh, normally, you have the grandstand crowd, of, the crowd uh, special for the entire two weeks. And this time was uh, because of this COVID-19. Certainly, uh, things turned out to be a little bit different. However, you know, I was very happy that uh, they were able to uh, have the race. Uh, at least um, for the big fans, uh, they really enjoyed. They were able to watch over the TV, and uh, we were able to um, to put a good show. Yeah, how did you approach it with no fans being there? Because I could imagine the atmosphere would have been so much different to what you would have been used to. No question, it was a little bit weird. Uh, I have to be honest, because I do feed a lot from the fans, uh, the energy, the positive. Uh, they bring me great memories from the past with memorabilia pictures. So even sometimes when things are not doing well in your office, when you have those type of fans uh, giving you that kind of a support, you, you just thinking about, all right, I got to go back and fix the car and make it better so that I can uh, keep those fans happy. So it's kind of like uh, we missed that. Um, but for me personally, it was great to be back at IndyCar again. As you mentioned, I've been doing the Accurate Team Penske since 2018, and um, and just uh, the Indy 500 the last three years, and which is which is obviously uh, a little bit different. So coming back to the Indy car was great with the new era screen. I, I I thought I was gonna expect a lot about the uh, the changing on that, and I have to be honest, I was felt I felt great, felt just like like I never left. So it was really really fun, and uh, felt really really good to be there. Yeah, one of the interesting things that surprised a lot of us throughout that weekend was the Chevy-powered cars. They did, just didn't really have what it takes to take it up to the Hondas. Why was that, do you think? I believe uh, Honda people uh, really uh, play an excellent uh, game. Uh, they hold it back, especially in the, uh, in the beginning, uh, towards to going to the, the weekend, the qualifying weekend, when they when they obviously show up and, and, and show an extremely great amount of uh, uh, speed. And from there on, it was just like, okay, uh, we don't have much work to do here. Um, so very surprising. However, again, you know, a few cars still had a, a good uh, good speed. Uh, Joseph Newgard and my teammate uh, at Penske seemed to be showing at least able to compete, but I don't think they would be able to uh, pass those guys. But that's the way it is. A few years ago, with Chevy was uh, on the upper hand. This year, Honda was an upper hand, and, and it keeps going this way. Um, obviously, competition, it makes uh, each other better. Yeah. Well, 2020, it's been unprecedented for so many people. Uh, motorsport is no exception. Tell me, what did you get up to during your whole lockdown period? You know, interesting uh, situation. We are so used to... Uh, you know, keep it running, keep it going, practicing and um, appearances. And all of a sudden, you're just obligated to stay home, which is obviously is the right thing to do. Um, we, I, I felt that, uh, you know, it was great to focus on the fitness, which was fantastic. Uh, on that scenario, we able, I was able to uh, focus only on, on that uh, situation and keep myself, you know, sane, keep myself focused. Um, and once the once things start, you know, moving along, we're able to, you know, do some, you know, practicing or karting things like that. Because remember, <laughs> you can only be a fit, uh, but it's, racing is not about just going in the backyard and start, you know, like a soccer or or, or uh, baseball or, or tennis. You know that you got you need to have equipment to get yourself sharp. So we're able to um, at least uh, spend time uh, with the family, but uh, get also some sort of prepare and it was great first race of the season uh, after the pandemic we're going to pole position and we're able to show that we are uh, the engineers were able to develop the car really well and it was a good combination well yeah you mentioned the importance of fitness you're in your 40s uh a few other drivers as well takuma sato and tony kanan they're also in their 40s all of you guys have been flying in recent times tell me why are you guys still competing so strongly at this age well, a few things. Uh, I do believe we all love the sport. Uh, without love, you cannot do anything. And I feel that all of us enjoy. This is our life. This is what I've been doing for over 20 years. 
And um, technology today helps a lot. I think uh, when you see it, uh, you know, with the, the food, the, the quality of the food that you can have, uh, the expertise and, and, and all this way, you literally, uh, it can extend, you know, the life, which it is already proven that the life uh, of uh, human beings, it's being over, it's it start extending. So I, I just, I just feel great. I feel a little, with a lot more experience that I, that I had obviously with the 20 years ago. And, and, and I, I believe we, you know, the speed, uh, it's always compensate the, the, the experience with the speed. Again, we keep ourselves fit. We're able to still drive the car as fast as we can with a little more of uh, understanding what we need. And uh, that's probably the result. Uh, you see tennis players doing that. You see the football players doing that. They probably use even more the body compared to us. And um, we just, um, I just love the sport and I want to keep it going. Yeah, well, something that was a little different for every race car driver this year was the establishment of all these E-Series competitions, these virtual races. Uh, you did a few of these with your Acura teammates as well. And one of the guys that you also competed with was Scott McLaughlin, who competes here in the Supercars Championship. It looks like you'll be entering IndyCar at some point soon. Tell me, what was the virtual experience like for you? Did you enjoy it? And what have you made of the progression of Scott McLaughlin? Yeah, Scott is uh, is doing phenomenal. I mean, obviously, it's no question, uh, especially down on the V8 Supercar, I mean, how amazing... uh, together with Fabian and also with Team Penske. I mean, when you put a good team like that, uh, a good engineer and a good driver, when you combine all these ingredients together, and, and even also a, a great teammate because sometimes, I, like I said, I have, I have phenomenal teammates. Ryan Briscoe is one of them. Will Power is another guy. That you suck a lot from those qualities, from those people, and you start you know, learning from yourself. So, and, I, and I do believe that uh, relates to Scott. I mean, he's it's absolutely doing doing great. And uh, and no question, uh, he's I I I have my hint here. I, I feel that uh, he's he he Team Penske gave him a, an opportunity, a chance. Unfortunately, he couldn't make it because of the Grand Prix. Uh, he was supposed to be racing at the Grand Prix, and he couldn't debut. The times that he did in some practice looks very promising. When you have a situation like with Scott. Like that, I do feel well. Uh, very soon, he might end up debuting on a on a on an IndyCar program as well. And uh, and I won't be surprised. Let's put it this way. But that's my opinion. I don't know when is that going to happen. So in, in terms of the uh, racing in virtual, I I was I was terrible, mate. I mean, I was the worst. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm the old timer here. Okay, I I wasn't born. I mean, my my game back then was Atari. So. Uh, <laughs> So, so you know, it's a long, we didn't have even the steering wheel to play when we were racing. Uh, so it was joystick. And uh, so I, I learned a lot. Uh, no question is different. But um, I had my fun, uh, enjoy, and uh, uh, having a good time with those guys. But trust me, it, it, when you got to the real thing, uh, I was so glad to be back. It was like, okay, this is my deal. Uh, I, I'm not very much. I would love to get better in the in the in the in the virtual world, but trust me, when you do a lot of years in the in the real deal, you prefer the real deal. Oh, for sure, for sure. And back onto the supercars, because a lot of people would remember a number of years ago, you came down for the Gold Coast International Supercar events. I think you came down two years. Tell me, what were your experiences like coming down here and driving a car that is very different to an Indy car in America? I wish I would have been driving now um, with the experience that I learned with Acura. Uh, you know, when you start opening your mind, understanding a little bit more, um, I, I wish I would have been able to drive the supercar now so that I can, um, I, I, I understand. Back then, uh, it was all about, I want to be fast. I want to be quick and not trying to understand what the car is doing. So I, I suffer a little bit, but let me tell you, I mean, the V8 supercar is an absolutely an amazing series. Um, those three years that I did, it was a, an incredible learning curve uh, for me. Um, and uh, yes, I, I, I just, um, I have a few friends, you know, that, uh, uh, not only was racing there, but ended up going there, and uh, it's great to to see 
how the series still very strong and um, obviously supporting Team Penske because those two guys, like I said, Fabian and Scott, are doing great. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Let's talk about that Acura Team Penske program now. Uh, yeah, 2018, you made the move across. Uh, yeah, you had a win in 2018. 2019, a very consistent season. Just didn't manage to get the win, unfortunately. However, this year, you've been flying. Like I said earlier, you've been flying. The past two events, you've just smashed it. You've had two wins. Uh, it was a difficult start to the year. But yeah, what's really happened the past few races that's picked up the, the performance from the team? It's so amazing uh, when you mentioned that um, uh, the 2019 that we never win a race, our average finish in 2019 was uh, a 3.9, uh, sorry, 4.2. It was something like that. It was, <laughs> if you would have said, oh man, if you finish that average and not be a champion, you would say, you're kidding me, right? But just to show how competitive it is, I mean, the difference in points, it's so small that any deficit, any uh, failure, you know, uh, it's, it's a big problem. Even though we didn't have much problem, as I mentioned, our our uh, um, uh, uh, average finish was very very high, and we were not able to win the championship. Finished third, so it wasn't quite like we're way off. Um, but you know, I guess it wasn't meant to be. We're very lucky. Few races, we're leading few races, but unexpected things happened last year. So this year. Um, we started again, very uh, unexpected situations in Daytona. The guy takes me out, having some mechanical issues. The second Daytona race, and uh, and and we were just like, man, <laughs> this is like a snowball. You can't just get out of this hole that we're getting ourselves. And suddenly, you know, in in Road Atlanta, Ricky did a phenomenal job putting the pole position, and I was able to to put a great driving at the whack. Um, uh, later on, and uh, and also Road America. So it's uh, it, it, again we had a penalty, my fault. We're able to overcome. Got a little luck with the yellows. So things start turning to our our momentum. We just got to take a you know as it comes. Also, you got to remember in this series they're what they call BOP, which is balance of performance. Sometimes they take power away. Sometimes they give power away. You know, it, it is very difficult to control. Uh, and I understand it's very difficult for a series to trying to uh, manage three or four manufacturers uh, so that everybody keeps it equal. And uh, but at this point, I feel that they found a good balance. Everybody's really close, and we're able to uh, put it together. So it's a, a good combination. Uh, hopefully, we can again, as you mentioned, we start terrible the season. So in the championship, we're terrible, but we're showing a tremendous amount of speed. And, and hopefully can continue the success uh, uh, winning races. Well, yeah, it's only around halfway through the championship, so plenty of time to go. What circuits do you think your car's going to have that edge over the others? I feel the Orica car, which is the Acura car, um, basically on a high speed, it seems to be holding very well. Uh, over the years, we're learning, remember, uh, even that for a, an incredible team like Team Penske, when you throw yourself in a place that is completely different, we're talking about DPI, uh, GTLM, and GT, GTD. So when you're talking about three series racing together, <laughs> it is it is very difficult uh, uh, to understand uh, track change, uh, and, and there was a lot of more involved. So I feel that this third year we were really uh, understanding a little bit more about this car, and that our cars are fast on a in a high speed, and we might not have the torque like some of the competitors have, like the, the Cadillac um, but uh, and the mid-range, like the Mazda, but we do have a great top end. And I feel that if you combine those together, I, I believe now we're having a great mix. And hopefully uh, we can see it this way. Oh, for sure. Over the years, we've seen lots of people come down and compete here at Bathurst. Is that something that you'd like to do, should your schedule permit, come down and race at Bathurst? Oh, anytime you uh, you uh, ask me to go back to drive uh, in Australia, just to be in Australia is already awesome, man. I I miss I miss you guys. Like I said, we used to uh, race at the Gold Coast uh, for so many years. It was so awesome. Uh, I can see the crowd. As I said, even that when I did my experience in the, in the V8 Supercar, the crowd really supported everyone, supported drivers, supported the series. 
every time you go to a place that loves that has passion about racing, I love to go. So yes, Bathurst would be an incredible place uh, to go. I, I only heard great things about it, which is a, an incredible historic place. Uh, very challenging track. I see Scott McLaughlin doing the pole position, uh, breaking the track record, I think, a few years ago. And um, it was super cool. So, yeah, no question. I would love to have the experience to drive there. Yeah. Another thing that got recently announced was that you're going to be competing in the brand new SRX series, competing alongside Australian Mark Webber. Tell us how this came about for you. That's right. I mean, what a great group. I mean, when uh, uh, Tony Stewart and Ray Everhand uh, uh, called me, I, I was I was kind of like surprised and thrilled. I did IROC long time ago, which is the International Race of Champions. And what a fun series. And when they explained me about it, this is going to be a sort of like that. I'm like, I'm on board. There is no question. When you race against not only incredible people, incredible champions, and uh, in a different track, you know, that probably is going to be a little bit of ours outside of our my comfort zone for sure. Um, I think it's going to be great. I'm going to obviously uh, enjoy it, understanding, trying to um, add a little bit more to my uh, uh, database as a driver, you know, so to, to knowledge and get better. So can't wait. Can't wait to, uh, to race with friends and, um, and have fun too. And next season? What are you hoping to be doing next season? Would you like to possibly move back into IndyCar full-time? Would you like to stay in the IMSA Championship? What do you want to be doing next season? Look, no question. Um, a lot of people, because my history with Impensi, it's been 20 years uh, driving with an amazing, incredible group of guys. And uh, when they call the program, the ACRA program, to, to, to an end, which is the end of this year, um, I felt that, okay, uh, I, I don't want to stop. You know, I want to keep it going. I still have a lot of fuel to burn, a lot of passion inside and keep it going. And obviously, if I would show some sign of like, hey, look, no interest in things like that, maybe it would be a thing, but it's completely the opposite. So I felt like if I can, um, uh, uh, you know, throw out the message and tell everyone, look, I'm still looking. And I am talking to, to several people. Love to go back to IndyCar full season. You know, I do have a little bit of invitations on the Indy 500, which is fantastic. However, I, you always want more. <laughs> and I would love to be back at IndyCar, which is that's what I've been doing for so many years. I feel that I, with, over the years, what I learned with an amazing team, I can actually help uh, continue success with a big team, or I can make a small team, you know, uh, increase and, and add to, to the program. So it would be great. So I am, I am definitely looking. But despite that, I learned so much with the uh, IMSA program three years. I don't want to also people say, oh, okay, this guy, is, you know, want to go away. No, I want to, whatever great opportunity I would have, I would no question I would grab it and, and run with it. Because learning with IMSA program as well, it took me three years. I feel that I'm driving better because of that. You know, make some mistakes in the beginning, which is always a learning curve. But now I feel that I'm in the, in the top prime and I can keep carrying on. So, yeah, would it be great. Uh, uh, whatever the destiny would guide me. I, I am talking to everyone. I'm open for business when I joke on, but it's serious. <laughs> I am open for business. And let's see what's going to happen. And looking forward, what are the expectations for the remainder of this season and what's planned for the off-season? Yeah, I'm not even thinking about the end of the season. I'm thinking about what possibility... Uh, first of all, finishing uh, the, the season with Accurate Impensi in a great in a great way, in a great fashion way, like hopefully Rick and I can win all the races <clears throat> since we're having a great uh, uh, results at the moment, great momentum. So carry on. And hopefully I'm hustling. I'm hustling, talking to people, uh, finding ways that we can uh, raise, you know, funds together and sponsors together and, uh, and be partners together. So uh, whether it's uh, Insta, IndyCar, Whatever it is, you know, uh, what I want to do is keep it going and then see what the destiny is going to uh, take me to. Elio Castro-Neves, hopefully we get to see you in Australia again sometime and thanks again for joining us on the podium. Jason, thank you for having me. All the best.
Elio Castro-Neves joining us on the podium there. He's a Team Penske driver and great to see him showing so much support for Scott McLaughlin who will make his debut very soon in the IndyCar Series. Of course, we can catch Elio in the IMSA Championship with more rounds of the championship coming up very soon for him. Right after this, we're going to turn our attention to some Formula One news. Yes, time to talk about some of the news happening in the Formula One world. And sticking on the topic of IndyCar, we had Elio Castro Neves, very well known in the IndyCar Championship. Sergio Perez, there's been talk, Emma, that he could end up in an IndyCar next season. Yeah, well, apparently he's had a bit of an offer from the McLaren boss, Zach Brown. I mean, why wouldn't you take that at 31? He's still got plenty of miles left on him. In him, he's such a great driver. And big drivers all around the world want to be a part of Indy, right? That's on their bucket list. But there is potentially interest from Haas and from Alpha, so you think that he would exhaust all those options first before making a move to uh, to another motorsport paddock. Oh, for sure, for sure. And we've seen, you know, Takuma Sato go on and have plenty of success in IndyCar after wrapping up his Formula One career. You mentioned the silly season, though. There's still a few seats left for this championship for next season. You mentioned Haas and Alpha. What do we think? Who's going to be there? Yeah, I mean, officially there are still eight seats open on the grid for 2021. So there's still a lot to be confirmed. But yes, obviously that's the big talk is around Haas and Alpha. Will Haas keep Magnussen? It looks like they may not continue with Grosjean after, you know, that's all the paddock talk though, the paddock whispers. But there has been a lot of talk around Nico Hulkenberg, one of those seats. Robert Schwartzman is another name that's been thrown in the mix. And for Alpha... Will Kimi retire has been the other big question. Will they stick with Antonio Giovinazzi and bring in another youngster in Mick Schumacher? Of course, there's been big speculation around that name too. So um, this is all just speculation and a guessing game for now, but I really do look forward to seeing how it all plays out. Well, how good would it be if we did have a Schumacher on the grid again? You know, it's been quite some time. Even Ralph was on the grid, obviously. Uh, Finished up Mm -hmm. with Toyota in 07. And then, yeah, Mick Schumacher, he's really developed really well as a driver the past few years. Formula 2 this season, he's currently leading the championship. What would it mean for motorsport to have Schumacher back on a Formula 1 grid? Well, as a a Ferrari fan that grew up idolising Schumacher and, you know, with everything that's happened, um, it, it would be amazing because, you know, that name is held so highly in motorsport. So to have the presence of his son there would be amazing to, to motorsport fans all around the world. Even if you never followed him, you know of him. And it's, um, yeah, it would be sensational, I think. Oh, yeah. And some of the other seats that haven't been confirmed yet is, are around the Red Bull teams. Uh, we talked about Pierre Gasly. He's put in some really good runs mm. throughout this season. Could he get elevated to that to that top team again, replacing Alex Albon? What do you think is going to happen? Oh, that's a really tough. I mean, yeah, he had one win, but let's see how the rest of the season plays out. They are quite hasty in their decisions, aren't they? So, you know, people see Gasly have one win and they think, oh, he's got the seat or, you know, Albon got a podium. I think Albon has been quite consistent. I think he's had a lot of bad luck. I think they should give him another year at least. Like, let let them find their legs a bit. Let them play it out a bit more. Um, yeah, they haven't said that he's not going to be their Albon. They haven't confirmed that at all. So I think they might keep Albon. I'm not sure about what will happen with Toro Rosso, but I definitely think that Gasly needs to stay in the team in some regard. Well, yeah, this weekend the Formula One action is back. It's been a few weeks since we've had action, obviously, uh, after Mm. so many doubleheader and tripleheader weekends and everything. This weekend they head to Russia and Sochi. Who do you think is going to be on the top steps of the podium at the end of the weekend? Look, I think that, you know, Hamilton won there last year. I think he'll get it again. I think Verstappen missed out on a podium. Actually, both Red Bulls did last year. They were fourth and fifth from what I remember. So I think Verstappen will be strong this weekend. I'm going to put him in second and Bottas in third. Very good, very good. Right after this, we're going to have another interview on the podium. It's going to be a guy that had a really strong run on the weekend at the Bend. He was in the top ten in all three races. However, it was his final race performance that really stood out. He started... 18th, worked his way up 14 positions to just narrowly miss out on a podium. He was dueling it out with Jamie Winkup for that final podium spot. I speak, of course, of Anton Di Pasquale, and he's up next on the podium. (laughs) 
This is the podium where we celebrate the best in the world of motorsport. And we're joined right now with the driver of the 99 Penrite Racing Commodore. It's Anton Di Pasquale. Anton, thanks again for joining us on the podium. No drama. Thanks very much for having me. Oh, that's all right. Well, let's talk about that weekend at the Bend, the first weekend of two weekends at the Bend. Tell me, it was a very strong run from you, especially on that Sunday. Uh, yeah, I always love coming back to the Bend. It's a uh... It's obviously our newest facility and one of our coolest ones. Um, it's always really cool here. You get to stay at the track. Basically, once you enter the front gates, you don't leave for a while. So um, our, our thing was pretty good. We had a, had a decent run. I think we ended up fourth for the round or something. Um, had a bit of a not-so-good run through qualifying stuff, but uh, in race trim, our thing was really good. So uh, we made a few spots up, had a bit of fun, and uh, sort of stuff with a decent baseline for the, uh, the part two of the bend. Oh, for sure, yeah. So looking at your results, yeah, eighth in the first race, fifth in the second one, and then fourth to wrap up the round weekend. Talk me through that final race of the weekend, though, because even on the opening lap, you were very lucky to miss out on all the carnage happening in front of you. How did you avoid it all? Uh, yeah, there's a bit going on. Everyone was obviously, last race of the weekend, everyone always has a big dip. Um, so, I don't know, you just, a bit of luck, a bit of addiction, put yourself in the right spot weave your way through and um, obviously have to get through that first lap to have any chance. So um, I was just getting on the right side of the track and move, move the right ways. Courtney was coming back across the track, which obviously backwards. And that was, um, that was probably the closest it was to anyone to get in contact from anyone. So um, yeah, lucky enough to get through and just put yourself in the right spot. And then obviously from there, just to have really good pace and could push on with it. And those closing laps, it was, Quite a little jewel you had there with Jamie Winkup. Uh, yeah, so we put it quite early to get the undercut on all those guys because if we didn't, we would have just come. They would have come out of the pits behind us, and people like obviously on the weekend, as everyone would have seen, the um, the tires are falling apart. So because the first time we raced in soft tires, if you if you drive as fast as the car can go, you basically tires will fall apart after a few laps. So I had to do that to then get the undercut to work um, but then the last sort of five six laps I was really struggling and Jamie obviously just came out of the pit so um, he had a bit up on me and then we were going to have a decent battle and then he got into me at six which actually gave me a big slide and basically shredded the right rear tyre apart which then he had the position easy after that and uh, cruise on the fourth but um, yeah basically it was it was good obviously a good, part, good pace made use of all that to get the undercut and then um Basically, by the end of it, we run out of tyres, but it's kind of risk versus reward. That's the way we did it. Yeah, a lot's happened over the past few months. We had you on, I think it was during the lockdown, when there was all this uncertainty as to whether we'd still have a championship take place. Uh, the E-Series had just started up. Uh, yeah, just firstly on the E-Series, you were very strong, obviously, throughout that entire championship, one of the top runners every weekend, really. How did you, you find it? Because a lot of drivers had mixed opinions on it. Is it something that you think could be implemented again in a shorter format next season? Um, yeah, I, I don't mind it. Like, I'm, I, I just, I like racing things. And basically, if there's other people that you're competing against, whether it's a lap time or position or something, it's, it's a competition. And I generally take it pretty serious because that's just sort of the way I've been brought up and the way I go about it also, um, whether it's series or the real thing while I'm racing and representing the team and myself, um, always try as hard as I can. So um, I, I, I had a little bit of fun for these series. Obviously, there's highs and lows for everyone. And then it's obviously really good to get back into the, uh, the race car and um, using that and keeping yourself, I guess, virtually race fit um, was a good thing. Obviously, everyone used it in a different way. Um, I'm quite familiar with the experience online and all that stuff. So it was a pretty easy experience for me. Yeah, and, and just describe how it was for you going back onto a racetrack because Sydney Motorsport Park was the first round of the championship back after everything that had happened. No fans there for that first weekend. How was it for you? Um, yeah, I mean, going obviously from the E-Series back into the real car, um, I think some people took a little bit longer to get used to it than others. Um, for me, it was just basically like having another Christmas break, obviously very close to the, to the Christmas break we just had. Um, but... Yeah, S&P was, was all right. It was obviously a bit weird being um, away from fans and spectators and that kind of thing. Um, it was something we're not particularly familiar with. So you're obviously used to doing the racing, but as well as that, we do the signing sessions, we do 
to the meet and greet. You do all the you know the fan experience too, which is which is part of the fun for us on a, on a race weekend. So we kind of went from that to a Sean and race weekend, but very intense. So it was a very different way of going racing. Obviously, you know, you go back-to-back sessions, you miss your lunch, you do all these things, which um, you just get used to. And now we're getting used to it, and obviously um, towards the end of the year. For sure. Well, that second weekend, it was a good one for you to start the weekend, a podium finish in the night race, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, the night race is, is always cool um, for us to get a podium. Obviously, SMP is, as we know, the hardest track on tyres. So we took advantage of... Um, using the strategy, I guess, to get the podium. Um, probably probably looking back on it, probably could have got the win and we just had a really average pit stop, which put us back in where we should have been. We probably should have come out a bit in front. Um, but from that on, your, race, your weekend's pretty much done for because you have no tyres left against everyone else. So um, while we got the night race and obviously all the publicity around the night race, we got a podium, which is, which is really cool. Got a cool uh, trophy, which was a... Um, a snowboard, so yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's obviously a bit weird having a snowboard for a night race in Sydney, but it's cool because obviously it was carryover from Winston. But um, yeah, it was a it, it was a good experience. Well, yeah, well, you know, there's still a lot of uncertainty around the calendar for next season. What do you think in terms of night races? Do you think we should see more of those on the calendar? Is there a certain number that you reckon would be good? Um, I think not. Not it's it's difficult, obviously, because there's a few tracks that can facilitate the night race. We're obviously going to go to Gold Coast this year for a night race, which would have been epic. Um, something which was very uncertain of how it was going to play out, what the track would be like. That was probably going to be the biggest question mark of it all. Um, and that is an event, obviously, non-COVID fans and all the stuff would be out of control cool. So um, I think that there is space for it and plenty of it because most things are more entertaining at night. Um especially sports, so all you know, all nighttime sports are really good and always gets the big crowds and stuff. So, um it suits it suits the fans I think being able to access it. But at the same time, um our sport goes for a long period of time so there's always gonna be the day the day stuff too. I mean, I'm just a driver and I'll I'll race anytime, anywhere, so it doesn't really save me too much, but I I, I quite enjoy the night stuff. Well yeah, well Hidden Valley is also one of those other tracks that's been touted as a potential venue for night racing. You guys went there after SMP. And talk us through your first ever win in supercars. Um, yeah, it was it was good. Obviously, um, it's something you, you dream of for a long time as a kid and all that. So um, to get it on the board is a, is a big relief. Um, at the same time, you know, same, same thing you had use tyres a little bit to our advantage. We just have to beat the people doing that too. But we did use it a bit to our advantage. So um, so then the next day on used tyres, actually kind of half back it up with speed um, in qualifying and stuff against people on new tyres was, was cool um, Was and was sort of backed up that we, we were fast even though we used the strategy a bit to our favour. So I still got to tick off a, you know an outright tyre-for-tyre tyre win. Um, that's still a different goal of mine. But, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a good experience. And, Good, good for everyone because we've been on the road for a long time at that point and still now. Um, results and trophies and stuff is what really keeps the, keeps the crew going. Well, yeah, you mentioned the tyres here. Obviously, a lot of teams having to make that gamble, which race to use the, the softs in. What do you think in terms of the strategy going forward for the series? Do you think this is something that maybe should be impl- implemented for a few rounds of the championship? Less of it, more of it? What do you think? Um, I don't know. To be honest, it's kind of a hard one because um, you can only sort of you know, play with the hand you dealt with, so it kind of depends on what the uh, what the people in charge do. Um, I, I just think there's merit for you know there's obviously arguments either way. Um, it, it promotes a lot of passing, but then it's probably something that they can do with the shootout too, because you lose a set of tyres by making it further in qualifying, which kind of doesn't make too much sense in a way. Um, so. I think we could you can make it work and fine tune a little bit. Um, it's, it's something to experiment, and obviously, ultimately, I think it depends what the uh, the fans and the people watching and the sponsors want. And I think that's what we we have to ha- have a look at. Um, fastest drivers will sort of flat out and pass and do what we can all the time. So um, we want to make that as entertaining as we can. Well, yeah, you mentioned the long time on the road. You had that weekend there at Hidden Valley. You had a second weekend there, a couple of top 10 finishes there, and then you guys moved on to Townsville from that. Tell me, what's it like being on the road for such a long period? Um, yeah, it's, for me, personally, it's not really a big drama because um, I don't have anyone to stay at home that 
is dependent on me other than probably my dog. Um, but <laughs> in terms of family and stuff, obviously I'm the I'm the youngest in my family and don't have any you know partners or kids or anything like that. So for me to pack up and race, it's kind of like what I'm what I enjoy doing, um, and it's something that is always is always a fun experience. So I could be away all year, multiple years. Um, it doesn't really bother me too much. It's obviously the crew with families and kids and wives and stuff like this. Um, it's a lot harder on them. So uh, for them to pack up and do it and do it for this period of time, is a, it's it's a hard task, and you got to give them a lot of credit for that and respect them a lot for it. Um, but yeah, for me, it's a it's it's quite an enjoyable experience. You know, I don't I don't mind living out of a suitcase, racing cars around the country every weekend. It's a, it's kind of I think every you suppose every kid racing go karts at the moment told them that's what they could do in a few years. I'm sure they'll sign up right there. Well, yeah, well, yeah. You've even got like teams like Tickford based at SeaWorld of all places at the moment. Tell me, what have you been doing away from the track now? Like having these double header weekends, obviously you can't be at home. What are you doing away from the track? Um, a lot kind of depends where we've been. So um, we've been fortunate to be in quite a, you know, sort of places that don't have much COVID and, you know, quite good weather and stuff. So Darwin, Townsville, is, at that time of year, is the best places to be. You can can go out fishing you can do things um, you can enjoy the weather so um, I'm quite lucky that I have a few friends and stuff sort of all around the country and as a team we're quite well well bonded so there's been activities and stuff we've been doing but ultimately you basically by the time you recover from the race weekend you start thinking about how to make the race car faster and um, working on the next weekend so you haven't got much much time to uh, muck around you want to basically get talking to the, the engineers and the mechanics and stuff straight away to find out how to make that thing faster so you can uh, try and win the next weekend. Yeah, and are you an avid gamer as well? Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah I'm a, I'm, I've got a, a laptop that I bring with me and play a bit of, uh, bit of Warzone, which most of the time I'm playing with Scotty too. So <laughs> usually after, after racing, it takes me to jump on and um, he, he usually asks me to carry him to some victories. But uh, yeah, <laughs> we've been a bit of fun and passes by the time. So uh, it's quite good because all... All my mates back home in uh, in Melbourne, they all play too. So we all basically go to the virtual pub and uh, have a bit of fun online and just talk smack and play some games. It's good. Well, yeah. Well, you talk about, you know, yeah, competing up against Scotty virtually doing games like that. You know, you've seen Scotty Pye and Shane Van Giesbergen doing a lot of stuff together. Do you think it's brought you drivers closer together, this whole experience? Um, oh, I'm not really too sure. Um, I mean... Everyone's everyone's a bit different. I'm uh, I'm not too social with most of the guys, <laughs> so um, I kind of stick to myself a lot and uh, you know, enjoy the time with the team and your friends with everyone there. There's obviously a few of us to get along, but ultimately you, you're racing against the people, so um, it can't be too friendly because you've got to probably hit each other off the next day. So, um, but yeah, I, I mean, Easter and stuff, you saw a lot of people's personalities come out because you're talking through an open channel all the time which obviously we don't do in the race car it would be quite cool if we did um so you could see obviously some some arguments and some friendships and stuff through that well yeah well let's talk about townsville as well we haven't gotten to that one yet uh really strong run there that first weekend top 10 in qualifying and top 10 in the races there and then the second race weekend fourth in quality for the first one fifth in the opening race and then race two and three were a little more challenging uh, yeah, we had a um, we had a really good pace in that second weekend. Um, kind of had a pretty sort of sort of a dud pit stop, which put us uh, a bit further back in the first race. And then um, I made a mistake in the in the qualifying for the second one, so I the start of the back. And then even though even there, like you can sort of save tires to sort of use them at the right times. Um, and then in the last race, we will track along pretty well. We're sort of in contention for podium, and then had a, had a drama. And, car escorted itself to the fence so that was the end of our day but um ultimately we had really good speed we just didn't capitalize where we could have we were on for you know worst case top five on on sunday which which would have been awesome it's kind of been where we've been aiming for this whole time is around that top five and we've been ticking that box on a on a fair few occasions well yeah well we've talked about the bend already the first weekend at the bend We've talked about double headers. This second weekend at the Bend, it's a little bit different compared to all the other double headers that we've had because it's a new shorter circuit configuration for this event. How do you think it's going to suit your car and what do you think you're going to be doing there? What results do you think the team's capable of? Um, I, to the car-wise, it's going to be hard because 
90% of the tracks the same. So I think the same base car is still going to be, you know, the fast guys the first week is still going to be the fast guys the next week. Um, you obviously delete a couple corners and you add, add one in. So there's not, I think too much is going to change. You take a little bit of high speed away. Um, but in saying that there's still a couple of high speed corners we do. So, um, car set up as I'm predicting not too much different. Uh, I'm sure most people will be rolling out with a pretty similar car. Um, and then you'd be just little fine tunes from there. So, I mean, we had pretty good race pace and uh, decent speed. So hopefully we can carry that over and uh, get some good results. And yeah, and now obviously there's a finish line in sight for the championship. It's going to be at Bathurst of all places, and there will be some fans there, which is great. Uh, you've got a new co-driver this year with uh, Brody Kostecki joining you, uh, some extra co-driver sessions as well. Tell us how you're going to approach the mountain this year. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Obviously, everyone's always called us of our grand final, and this year kind of is our grand final. Um, so... It's, it's always always a magical place to go to. So I think it'll be a little bit different this year, obviously, without the mass amount of fans we have. It's, it's just our biggest event, event, and we obviously the drivers' parades and all this stuff we do in town, which is massive and sort of hypes up the whole week. Um, so we're going to be missing a lot of that. So you definitely, I think, notice the lack of fans there compared to normal. Um, but in terms of approaching the great race, it's always always get told by. Um, Paul Morris, which obviously looks after myself and Bodie, um, just worry about you only got to be in there in the last lap. So all the other stuff doesn't really matter. So how we go, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday doesn't matter because it's such a long race. So um, I'm, I think I'm pretty lucky. I got to have Brody's been fortunately driving still, and you know he's um, been going well in Super Two when that was racing. So um, I, I think it'll be okay. Well, yeah, and then just finally looking ahead to next season. Do you know at the moment what your plans are going to be for next season and also the off-season? It's going to be a long off-season. Any plans on what you're going to do during the off-season? Not too much yet. I'm not really sure. It all depends on what you're allowed to do, I think, uh, like most people. So um, after Bathurst, there's obviously people going to be going in all different directions around the country, either home or staying away from home, you know. And so on. So I'm really not too sure. Everything's changing so quickly. I'll uh, make that decision on Sunday night after the race for where I go. Um, I'm, I'm, I obviously have home, home, and then I got my my Queensland home with uh, with Paul and everyone. So I work out where I'm going. Um, hopefully soon enough can actually get to the to, to my real home. Um, but yeah, that's all. Worry about that when we get there. Worry about the racing. It's going to be. Uh, it's going to be hard. We had obviously last weekend off, which we raced four weekends in a row, and then having a weekend off feels kind of weird. So having a fair few off is going to be uh, pretty boring, I think, compared to what we've been doing. There you go. Well, we wish you all the very best for this weekend at the Ben and at the Mountain. You've had some very strong runs there in qualifying over the years. Hopefully, you get a very strong result to finish off the season. Thanks again for joining us on the podium. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. Cheers. Anton Di Pasquale joining us on the podium ahead of a huge weekend of action at the Bend. And that leads us to our next segment. We're going to have a hit of supercar news right after this. Yes, time to talk about some of the other news happening in the supercar championship. And Emma, we had one weekend of action at the Bend and it delivered, didn't it? It really did. Of course, um, in that very first race we saw the championship, the big championship contenders in Scotty McLaughlin and Jamie Wincup come together. So that was pretty eventful. Um, it, of course, it sent both cars off the track. Unfortunate for Jamie Wincup, he tried to pass and he just lost the rear brake, sending it to his Commodore and got his both off the track. Of course, Scotty uh, rejoined, but in 19th position. Then, uh, of course, that gave Jamie a 15-second penalty, which was fair. He even took full responsibility for the incident afterwards. McLaughlin then went on to cop his own penalty after a clash with Lee Holdsworth. So what would have been a podium for him, unfortunately, ended up placing him in 15th position. But he bounced back, and of course, he still holds the lead for that championship. Well, yeah, you have to admire Scott McLaughlin's mindset. You know, he's obviously, he's... a competitor first and foremost, you know, he's not thinking about the championship, that move on Lee Holdsworth. I don't think a lot of people were expecting it. And unfortunately for him on that day, it didn't come off for him, but great to see him still giving it 110%. Yeah. I mean, 
we've seen him in so many races already and not a lot of people can do it. It's got to be that mindset as well. Like, yes, there is a great car underneath you and, and there's the physical aspects that being able to come from the back of the grid and all the way through and almost get yourself a podium after all the chaos that's happened um, is, is a fantastic effort. He really is an amazing driver. One of the other talking points, obviously, was going into that first race. It was first pole for WAU, Chaz Mostert. Great run from him and even Fabian Coulthard. Yeah, great effort by Chaz Mostert, but um, obviously not the results that he wanted. He's unable he's unable to finish inside the top 10 for all three races. So while he had a good quality car, um, it really didn't translate in the races. And uh, Fabian Coulthard as well, yes, um, celebrating his 200, 200 supercars round. Um, very competitive, much needed points in the bag for him, which actually moved him up to sixth in the championship after his performance on the weekend. Yeah, really good to see him up there because, you know, obviously a lot of people would have heard the comments made from the Red Bull Racing team about having two strong cars competing up there. So good to see Fabs get one up there and hopefully it continues for the remaining races this championship season. And some other guys that had a really strong performance on the weekend, Supercars rookie Bryce Fullwood scored his first podium. And the Tickford drivers, Lee Holdsworth, Jack LeBrock, very competitive. And even the Kelly Racing team that's endured a very difficult past few rounds. Yeah, exactly. I mean, all in all, it was a great mix of results. And that's what these new tie rules are doing. They're bringing, you know, all different winners and all different teams up the front. So I'm really enjoying the racing. A special mention, as you said, to Andre Heimgartner, who's had some shockers so far, but he managed to come home in second overall for the weekend. It was also recently announced that uh, Dylan O'Keefe will be joining one of the drivers as well. Yeah, great to see Dylan. He's been overseas, so he's been quite busy this year. He's kept himself going because, of course, um, PCR aren't doing any racing. They're still sitting on the sidelines. So I think that'll be a really good matchup for Bathurst. Yeah, it'll be good to see Dylan O'Keefe teaming up with Andre Heimgartner around the mountain. Speaking of the mountain, we talked about this one recently. GRM, they're going to be putting in a wildcard entry for the Bathurst 1000. Uh, Tyler Everingham's one of the drivers. Nathan Hearn is the other driver, and there's been a lot of controversy around him. Yeah, I mean, I was really excited about this announcement, and I'm sure all the race fans were, but unfortunately for Nathan, um, Motorsport Australia has said he hasn't had enough experience. He hasn't driven in Super 2 or Super Cars, obviously, so they're saying he's not eligible for a TAMS licence. Of course, Jerem are appealing the decision, so... We'll wait and see if um, if this can be overturned because they have said that if uh, he's not eligible, then they're not going to head to the mountain at all, which would be a real shame. Oh, it would be. It would be. It's been one of the highlights of the year hearing that GRM is going to be on the grid for the Bathurst 1000 and hopefully they can get that stuff sorted out You know, long before the Bathurst 1000 weekend. Let's look at the championship points now, Emma, because we've talked about the issues with the two championship contenders. What's the championship standings mm. like? Well, yeah, McLaughlin is still up there and he's 250 points, 15 points now, sorry, ahead of Jamie after a bit of up and down over his weekend, still sitting in second. But then Water's moved up to third. Shane Van Gisbergen, of course, he had a win. He's in fourth. Mostert still sits in fifth position, but let's hope that he has a better weekend because that can all change very quickly with Fabian Coulthard just behind him. Well, yeah, it's another double-header weekend for the Supercar Championship. However, this one's a little different, Emma. Yeah, of course, they're going to be using the West Circuit layout in its debut appearance. So let's see if that makes a bit of a difference. You never know. Should be exciting. Who do you think is going to end up on the top steps of the podium at the end of the weekend? I said let's see if it makes a bit of a difference, but I still I still think rain, hail, shine, different track, whatever it is, McLaughlin's going to be first. <laughs> um, I think I think Sammy Winkup uh, will finish uh We'll finish strong second for the weekend. And I'm going to go with Coulthard after the great weekend he had last time out. Fantastic. And right after this, we're going to wrap things up with the podium of the week. Yes, time to wrap things up with the podium of the week. And for anyone new to this, welcome. What we do here is we celebrate three performances from the motorsport world in the past week, and we do it in a three-two-one format. And Emma, position number three. Okay, I'm going to give this one to Top Gun. Maverick Vinales for his win. Finally, 
in another thrilling race in MotoGP on the weekend. Well, yeah, we documented it there. He's had a very difficult season with those two weekends at Austria that were just mm-hmm. very hard for him to deal with. So good to see him bounce back. Position number two. Who I'm going to give to Bryce Forward for his first podium. Well done to him at the bend on the weekend. Hopefully he can get another in the back-to-back round. I reckon, I reckon. And position number one. One goes to Andrea Locatelli, crowned the World Super Sport Champion over the weekend. He wrapped up the championship with two rounds still to go. Wow, good stuff, good stuff. Someone a little different there. I like that, liking that. Mm-hmm. That's been our podium of the week. However, before we finish, what's the motorsport calendar like for this weekend? What have we got to look forward to? Yeah, so supercars are back at the bend. Really looking forward to that. The penultimate round, a really important round for these guys before they wrap up the championship at Bathurst. MotoGP at Catalonia, F1 at Sochi, NASCAR in Vegas, and the IMSA Championship in Mid-Ohio. Another huge weekend of motorsport and oh. little sleep, I'm guessing. <laughs> I reckon, I reckon. Great stuff. Plenty of action, obviously. That's about it, though. Emma, thanks again for joining us on the podium. Thank you very much for having me. Looking forward to the weekend. And also a special thanks to Anton De Pasquale and Elio Castro-Neves. If you want to catch those interviews and some of the others that we've done, you can catch those on your favourite podcasting platform. Until next time, though, it's bye for now. Thanks for joining us on the podium.